As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Hello and welcome back to the show. We're into season five of the podcast that brings you all things C.S. Lewis from one of his most celebrated biographers, Alistair McGrath, and this time looking at seven of Lewis's most significant apologetic and devotional books that we haven't covered before with Alistair. Justin Briley sitting in once again for Ruth Jackson on this season of the show. And today we're going to be looking at Pilgrim's Regress, published in 1933. It was Lewis's first book written after his conversion, very much modelled after Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And, and Alistair will be explaining why it's among the least well-known of Lewis's writings. Now you can find out more about the show, of course, at cslewispodcast.com. And we love it when you tell others about the show as well. You can do that in person. You can send a link. You can post it on your social media. You can also help people to discover the show by writing a review uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. So um, one person left this, a relaxed, frank, down-to-earth insight into C.S. Lewis's journey from staunch atheism to reconciling scientific doubts rationally, even in the midst of personal struggles. Interesting concepts are told in a way that's accessible and easy to grasp. I'm not too up on my C.S. Lewis reading, but this podcast has helped me at a low point in my life and left me feeling hopeful, positive and keen to read more into C.S. Lewis. Thanks to everyone on the podcast. I'm looking forward to more. Just wish the episodes were longer. I could listen all day. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, what a lovely and encouraging review to, to receive. So um, if you'd like to add one yourself, you're, you're welcome to do that. Helps others to discover the show. By the way, if you want uh, something longer from Alistair, then do, do make sure to be part of our unbelievable conference on Saturday the 14th of May. We're live from the British Library in London, but you can attend from anywhere in the world online. In fact, we're doing it at a, at a time that really will suit anyone in the US especially because we're starting at 2 p.m. in the afternoon UK time. That's 9 a.m. Eastern. And it's all about helping the church find its authentic voice again. It can be can be hard to be a Christian, can't it, in today's culture? Um, there are so many different opinions out there. The culture wars are raging. Uh, often it's easier to sort of duck your head down and maybe, you know, run for cover. But actually, we are called to be salt and light even in difficult times. So if you'd like to hear from some brilliant speakers and thinkers uh, across the course of that day that'll help you to live with integrity in the world we find ourselves why not book yourself a place it's going to be a great day unbelievable.live is the place to go to book your tickets for this year's conference for now let's get into today's show Welcome back to the show. Uh, it's it's always fun to be able to pick the mind of a great mind like Alistair's on C.S. Lewis. And we're doing that by looking at a series of books that Lewis is well known for, some of his major works um, that really came out through the 1940s, 50s and 60s, um, or even as early as the 1930s, actually, with our, with our first book. Um, we're going to be looking today at Pilgrim's Regress. Um, 
Alistair, um, this is probably among the less well-known of Lewis's books. It's not frequently included in, you know, compilations of Lewis's work that might get published and so on. Um, so t- tell us about this, this book, how it came to be written and, and what it's actually about. Well, this is Lewis's first book as a Christian. Um, and, and you're quite right, I'm afraid. It has not stood the test of time well. And there are a number of reasons that I'll talk about them in due course. But we need to just appreciate this is Lewis's first book as a Christian. And in many ways, what Lewis is doing in this is telling telling a story of how he became a Christian, but in his own rather interesting way. It's not a straightforward narrative. It's quite complicated, but actually it really is worth persevering. So I think uh, it's important to, to, to make the point it's not an easy read, but it repays study. And this book was written in August 1932. Lewis had gone back to Belfast, um, which is his hometown. He had... Um, sat down with his friend Arthur Greaves, who was his best friend, and they had hatched this book, and Lewis wrote it. And it's really, if I'm put like this, an, a description of discovering God and the difference that this makes. But that's a very simple summary of a very complicated book. And I think that many people will find the complexities a bit overwhelming. I will just say, it's worth it, okay? Well, it's it's made me think I should really go and get hold of it. I've got to confess to my shame. I don't even have it in my my, you know, library of Lewis books and, and which suggests that it hasn't been published as widely as obviously his other books have. Um, what 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 can you expect to find then to give us a sort of a, a description without too many spoilers, I suppose, for those who are going to go and read it um, of, of what happens in this particular book? Well, when you read the title Pilgrim's Regress, you think, oh, that sounds a bit like John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And and that is true, actually. It's all about um, uh, the journey of a soul. It's, in Lewis's case, it's really the journey of an inquiring mind, trying to figure out what life is all about. Um, and it's not the kind of way, really, the story we might expect of Lewis meets God. I mean, it, you really get that in Surprised by Joy. But here you're getting something slightly different. It's really about Lewis is telling a story of how a pilgrim called John um, discovers his heart's desire. So that, that's the key thing. And I think that um, one of the problems of this book really is that it's, um, it is peppered with allegorical references to people and movements in the late 1920s, early 1930s. And we've forgotten all of these people. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why it is so difficult um, to read, because it's all about engaging with ideas that were quite prevalent in the late 1920s and we've all forgotten about these so in effect it's quite difficult to read Mm. it because you feel you're stepping into the past and Lewis is kind of bombarding with all kinds of weird ideas Uh, but in the midst of those you can see what Lewis is really saying and that's why it's worth keeping going. That's that's very interesting. Uh, It's always the danger, I suppose, in writing any book is that that it will date quickly if you if you locate it too, obviously, in the the time it was written. And that's Lewis appeared to be able to, with his other books, not not force them into that mold. Whereas obviously with this one, it it does. It does have more of that idea. Um, I mean, it has been described as an allegory, I know. So is that is that a fair description? I think it probably is. It's a rather clunky allegory, if I'm put like that. Uh, by allegory, what, what we mean really is, look, Lewis will refer to, for example, Mr. Neil Angler. Now, that, that's a 
really easy idea, isn't it? He's talking about T.S. Eliot. And so what he does is he introduces lots of people of the 1920s, like um, Sigmund Freud and so on, using allegorical titles. And he does this in order to um, engage mm. their ideas and explain why he doesn't really think they work very well. So, it, it, first of all, in reading it today, you have to figure out who these people are and then what they said. And then look at what Lewis says about them. So it's a bit difficult. But here, let's make this point. I mean, this is Lewis's first book as a Christian. Let, let's, give him, let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. He's finding his feet. It's a reassurance <laughs> to all of us that, you know, very often we start off not as well as we'd like and then move on. And Lewis has moved on a lot. And you're quite right. It's not, not his best known book for obvious reasons. But nevertheless, you can see him finding his style and finding his own distinctive place. Hmm. And clearly, as you say, modelled on John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. So does that help us to understand what Lewis is trying to do with this? It helps us. In fact, it may explain why um, Lewis uses the image of a pilgrim and calls the pilgrim John, so John Bunyan may explain that. But it's really the story of um, a pilgrim who has visions of an island that evoke a, a sort of sense of longing, a very intense longing, what Lewis would later call joy, um, and makes him say, I've got to find this. So it's a journey to find his heart's desire. And the journey involves going through um, regions which offer him tempting alternatives, uh, very rational alternatives, very um, subjective experiential alternatives, until he finally um, finds his way to this uh, mysterious island. I think he, he does tax his reader's patience a little bit in talking about some of these distractions because um, he discusses some of them in quite great detail. And he, he talks about, um, for example, um, a mm. road and to the north lies excessive rationalism to the south lies excessive subjectivism he's got to stick on this road get the balance right and then he ends up discovering this island but what i want to say is this actually as i look at lewis's later writings he's got this balance between reason emotions reason and imagination right and you know maybe pilgrim's regress was him trying this out saying here's one way of doing it and later he find a better way of doing it Talk us through some of those specifics then of, of the people he meets, the themes that emerge in the conversations he has with them. What, what are some of the significant ones that, that you'd like to mention? I'm, I think the best thing to do is look at some of the themes that emerge, because these are kind of way easier to understand than some of the allegorical figures. And one of them is this sense that the human soul is empty. There's a deep emptiness, an abyss, if you like. Uh, which is so great that nothing that Lewis encounters is able to fill it except for the landlord of this island, the the object of Lewis's journey of discovery. And Lewis talks about there being a chair in the human soul who is awaiting a guest, and only that guest, in effect, is able to sit in that chair. And so it, it's a very important point for Lewis that actually only God is able to satisfy the deepest desire of the human soul. Now, he comes back to that again and again and again in his writings, but it's there right from the word go. And yet there's another point he makes, and that is that once we discover God, once we achieve this um, relationship with God, um, we begin to realize that 
having known God, discovering God, we see the world in a new way. And that's why the image of the regress is so important. If you like, you progress to the island and then you regress back to where you came from. And the point is that as you go back, the world looks different. And it looks different because God has opened your eyes and you see things in a new way, which is what the world really is like. So actually, the Pilgrim's Regress is talking about two journeys, there and back again. And it's all about seeing the world in a different way. That's that's really interesting and, and helpful. And And as you say, I mean... It, Whereas Surprised by Joy is, is more of a sort of straightforward autobiography by Lewis of his Christian journey, this this seems to be at least him putting himself to some extent in the shoes of John. Um, and and do, you, do you kind of, do you see as you've sort of looked at Lewis's life and the way he came to faith that some of these episodes are clearly sort of spelling out his, his, the way he wrestled with these issues around, around modernity and other ways of trying to understand life and human nature? What, what, do you see some kind of crossover points that Lewis is, is making in Pilgrim's Regress? There, there are clearly crossover points with the philosophical currents that Lewis experienced at Oxford in the 1920s. So that he clearly was thinking these things through and in effect, if you like, was writing Pilgrim's Regress to clear his mind, to kind of way put these things in writing. So I, I think Lewis really um, was wrestling with these things. And actually, maybe Pilgrim's Regress can be seen as his attempt to kind of way use these in a literary form as a way of testing out various approaches. And his later attempts, I think, are better. But nevertheless, I think Lewis felt this work, in effect, set him on the road of doing this kind of writing. I mean, the idea of the regress is really important because it's about um, encountering God. Now, the story of how you encounter God is important. But Lewis wants to say more than that. He wants to talk about the difference that encountering God actually makes. And he's accompanied by a guide on this journey. And the guide says that um, the landscape has changed because he's now seeing it as it really is. And that, that's a, a very important point because that is, that is the way Lewis approaches so many things. To be a Christian is to see things in a new way, which is a right way. And you can see him test bedding these approaches in this early novel. Yes. I mean, it, it, it's that one of your favorite quotes I know is that, that Lewis says, you know, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not just because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And 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 obviously th that's right there in this early stage, isn't it, of his writing that that this is he he understands now this is a world view, a way of making sense of everything by by having this new, if you like, vision uh, that you that. But but in a sense, he has to sort of be, try to be persuaded by these other visions of what reality might consist of along the way. And finds them lacking ultimately as 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 he progresses through this journey. What what do you think then readers are, are meant to take away from this? What's what's the ultimate sort of message that Lewis is giving? Well, I think the first thing to say is um, Lewis is is a bit clunky in this work. So we just need to agree that and say. So what? I mean, he, he is learning his trade. It's wonderful to have this early novel because it gives us a sense of what Lewis wants to talk about. And also it allows us to appreciate how much his style has developed over the years. 
But I think what, what you can take away from this, I think there are two things that stand out for me. One is the importance of seeing things as they really are. That's absolutely central to Lewis's vision. And Lewis is making the point that we cannot change the way we see the world by ourselves. Somebody else has to do it to us. We need to be healed. We need to have our eyes opened. Um, we need to have a veil removed to use all those classical New Testament images. And, and they're all there for Lewis. So if you like, Lewis is talking about the new way of seeing things that results in the Christian faith. And that theme recurs again and again in his later writings. But the other thing I think which is really interesting is that um, as Lewis describes his journey to the island and the distractions he is faced with, these are the distractions he's going to be engaging in later writings, and he does it much more effectively. He finds a very good way of beginning to use characters in his novels to represent these positions or to find ways, a kind of way, bringing them together rather than seeing them as being opposite things. So Lewis, I think, really is, um, if you like, almost offering us an intellectual manifesto. This is what I'm going to be talking about from now on. Um, and I personally think that Surprised by Joy is a lot better than um, this very early work. But Surprised by Joy is a fruit of this early engagement. So this, if you like, is the seedbed of everything that Lewis would write subsequently. Super stuff. Well, it's been really interesting to get your take on it, Alistair. And, and as I said, a book I, I honestly don't know nearly as well as, as lots of Lewis's other work, um, but it's been re very interesting and, and has made me want to go back and, and you know, read it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did read it at some point in, in my life. I just don't seem to have a copy of it anymore. But um, um, yeah, I, I certainly want to get hold of it and, uh, and I will read it m more in tune with, with everything you've said about the way that this was, in a sense, quite an experiment for Lewis early on in his, uh, in, in his writing career. But um, yes, what, what are we going to be looking at next, Alistair? What's, what's the next one we've got planned for, for the podcast? Well, we're going to move on to a well-known book, which is The Problem of Pain. And I think this really was very important for Lewis because he was asked to write this book. And I think the fact he was asked, in effect, validated Lewis. He felt, I've been asked to do this because people feel I could do this. So if you like, it was almost as if Lewis felt someone wants me to do this, it needs to be done, I am going to do this. So I think the fact Lewis was invited to write The Problem of Pain was almost like a confirmation of his calling as an apologist. So it's a very important work because actually it's really the first major apologetic work that he wrote. Well, as I mentioned earlier, if you want more on the life of Lewis, a great place to start is C.S. Lewis, A Life by Alistair. And uh, you can find that and many more of his writings at his own website as well. AlistairMcGrath.net is the place to go. And of course, you can find out more about this show. And I'll give you all the details towards the end of today's programme and ways to get in touch, support us and such like. But for now, thank you very much for being with us this week, Alistair. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Well, thank you for listening. And as you heard, it's the problem of pain that we'll be turning to next time. Uh, for more on the show, do visit our show page, cslewispodcast.com. If you want to support the show from anywhere in the world, you'll find links to do that with today's podcast. And don't forget, you can register as well for our forthcoming conference featuring Alistair McGrath, unbelievable.live, Saturday the 14th of May. We'd love you to attend, whether in person or from anywhere in the world via the online functionality. We'd love to see you there. For now, God bless, best wishes, and see you next time. <laughs>